Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I'm Joe List. I'm glad you're here listening. I appreciate you listening. I am grateful. Seems like there's a bunch of you listening. Not a huge group, but a nice, nice amount, it feels like, from uh, the messages and emails and reviews. And uh, I hope that you keep listening. I'm enjoying doing it, and uh, it makes it more enjoyable to know that uh, some people are enjoying it and getting something out of it. So I thank you. And uh, if you'd like to help out the show, you can spread the word, email someone, tweet it, Instagram it, Facebook it. Although I do encourage people to be on and use social media less, but um, you could use it for a positive to uh, spread the word about something you like. And uh, it seems like, this podcast has helped some people. So maybe you can tell some other people that it might help. Um, or maybe they'll hate it and they'll be mad at you. But that's, you know, that's a gamble. That's a risk you take. Last night I watched a new film called Palm Springs. Anybody seen it? It's on Hulu. thought it was fantastic. And uh, I think it was pretty much about Buddhism, which was nice. I got a lot out of that. And it's funny and dramatic and touching. And uh, I thought it was a hell of a motion picture. So I recommend that to you. See how fun it is to recommend things. I apologize if you hate it. Um, but anyways, that's the thing you can check out. It has a lot of the uh, life lessons and principles that we sort of discuss here on this show. And uh, speaking of this show, I'm excited because uh, I was really happy with this week's episode. I've been happy with all of them, frankly. But uh, I recorded it two nights ago with one of my closest friends, Sean Donnelly. I don't know. Can I say closest friends? Maybe he'd say, what? We're not that close. One of my good friends, I'll say. Somebody I love. Um, he was at my wedding. I can say that. We text pretty regularly. So I think we're close. Um, but anyways, great guy. I hope you know him. If you don't know him, you should. Wonderful comedian. He's done a Comedy Central half hour. We did it the same year. He's been on Letterman. And uh, a whole bunch of shit. He's got some great pods himself and the show on Sirius Radio. He is hilarious. And uh, he's on the show. We had a great conversation. Had some technical difficulties. We tried to record it early in the day and my computer was all fucked. I had a day where everything that could go wrong, technically, from a technical standpoint, did. It was wild. My microphone didn't work. My computer didn't work. My lighting didn't work. It was kind of insane. But I uh, got through it. And um, Sean was flexible. So we recorded it, I think, uh, Monday night. And uh, it was great. Sean's a great guy to talk to, easy to talk to. And uh, the episode starts a little weird, the conversation, I should say. We, we talk a little bit, not so much mental health. There's a little bit of politics in there, just to warn you, very little. But, um, I mean, stuff I wouldn't even consider political, really. But... There's just a little bit of whatever zeitgeisty stuff, whatever you call it. So, and then we talked about uh, the Sam Harris Ben Affleck incident on um, YouTube, or on uh, on YouTube. It's on YouTube, but it was on real time with Bill Maher. And another trigger warning: we discuss our love for Bill Maher and Sam Harris. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with the incident, but um, they were talking about. <laughs> Uh, Islam and uh, Ben Affleck and Sam Harris really got into it. And uh, anyway, Sean and I discussed that. So I don't want you to be outside of the know. Maybe you can go watch that on YouTube so you can see it and then hear us discuss it. But um, anyway, so we, we go off the rails a little bit up front, but then we get into um, 
mental health. We talk a lot about therapy and Sean was kind enough to talk about uh, his father passing away when he was young. And so that's interesting. So we talk a little bit about death, dealing with death, drinking. And then the end, we go off the rails again and we talk about uh, some old drinking stories that I think you'll enjoy that were really funny. And we talk about our love for Seinfeld as well. So being um, as good of friends as we are and conversational as we are, it was, some of it was off topic, off mental health, but um, I think you might enjoy that stuff as well. And then we talk about, like I said, our love for therapy and losing people. And uh, so I think it was a great episode. I really enjoyed the conversation, went a little long, but um, I don't know. I think you'll like it. So without further delay, oh, there is some further delay. I have to give you our quote of the week. And this one is from Ram Das. I highly recommend following Ram Das's Instagram. It's Baba Ram Das. And um, I'm just pulling it right from there. Here's the late, great Ram Das, Boston guy. For me, service and social action are my methods of coming closer to God. And at that moment, oh, always, I always screw up. That's okay. And at those moments, when I am sufficiently surrendered, then I know the joy of being an instrument of the divine will on earth. I'll tell you, I haven't been able to find a better game in town. That's Ram Dass. He probably said it better and cooler. Anyways, here's my conversation with Sean Donnelly. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. We're recording. This is it. We're live. I'm downstairs in my basement. And uh, Sean, where are you? You're in your apartment. You look great. Uh, oh, thank you, buddy. So do you. You look like you got a fresh new haircut on the Zoom video here. I can see it. Well, it's an old hair. I mean, I got this is Corona shaved head. I was one of the first guys to shave his head in Corona, I have to say. Oh, were you? You were the hipster of shaving your head during Corona. Well, I, right off the bat, I was like, as soon as this all went down, I was like, I'm going to get a mohawk. I'm going to go mohawk. And I thought mohawk was easy to do. It turns out it's not that easy. <laughs> I look ridiculous, but it's growing back now. It feels like it's growing slowly, honestly. I feel like that's a good, a good length for you, though. Oh, thank you. People keep saying that, but I don't know what to do on top. I mean, do I push it back? Do I leave it spiky? Kind of looks good. Like, yeah, like how you had it. Like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a good thing. You got a good, good hair uh, on your head, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, welcome uh, to the show. Have you, have you, have you heard the show? <laughs> have you seen the show? Have you um, seen the show? The worst bit of acting. We <laughs> Sean and I are, are Seinfeld obsessed and uh, there's a delivery in a line. I don't want to out this woman because you know, she might be a nice person. Yeah. I don't, I never looked up the actor's name on purpose because I feel bad about how much I trash her when we talk about it. Yeah. I think she, it must've been a favor. I mean, back then, I don't know if they still do this, but you could like do a charity where you bid to get a line on a show. Oh, I, I think mean, they still do that too. They have like that, that, Oh, I feel like, I feel like that company Omaze would do that. Like, um, there's some company Omaze I got a shirt from once and you donate to this cause and you, I got a, a Veep shirt out of it. Uh, so I think they have stuff like that where it's like, you can win this, you can win a walk on roll and, and last OG, you can win, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Well, that's what it feels like. Cause there's an episode of Seinfeld and there's a woman that delivers a line and it was amazing bonding moment for us <laughs> because it's such a little subtle thing, but we both get to be like, yes, <laughs> that bucket, she says, 
Uh, have you seen the show? Yeah. It's, what ends up what ends up happening? I feel like with guys like us, like when you watch, and there's a lot of people like us out there that are that Seinfeld is like a second language, where it's like you'll even hear somebody say a word a certain way they don't hear every day, and immediately your brain goes right to a part in Seinfeld, like, and you'll just say the line, and nobody knows what you're talking about, or maybe a couple people will, or whatever it is. But um, yeah, we bonded over that because the background of the episode is that. Uh, Jerry lies about watching Melrose Place. You know, that's how back how long ago it was. And he's dating a girl who's a cop. He's dating a woman who's a cop. And he's at the station one day and they're there. And uh, and even the line before that is super cheesy too because he goes, he goes, yeah, he says he doesn't watch uh, Melrose Place. Hey, Lou, maybe you should put him on the poly. That's how, she, that's, yeah. how she, that's how she delivers that line. And he goes, yeah, so they put him uh, so then she, when she's bringing up Melrose Place in the first place, she goes, oh, there's an episode of Melrose Place. And then she, at one point she goes, have you seen the show? And she has, she like freezes. It's the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> she just freezes. And the way she says the line, and nobody would read the line this way. It, it, it's awful. It's so awful. It's really bad. And uh, the guy that administers the test, I know that guy. I've met that guy. He's uh, have you really? He's also an Ace Ventura. That guy isn't that the same guy? He's like the guy that that always busts Ace Ventura's chops in Ace Ventura. I think it's the same. No, guy. that's a different guy. Oh, different guy. Okay, okay. Aguado. Aguado. Yeah, Aguado. Good question, Aguado. <laughs> um, but so there's a few of us that are Seinfeld mania. I mean, Norman is one. Andy Fiore, Gary Gullman, yep, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. yeah, there's a few that that speak the language. And uh, it's fun to buy. It feels like the Blind Melon video with the, the bee girl finds all the little bees. Yes. Because <laughs> there's a certain group of people that just that show means, I mean, it's the basis of my entire podcast, Tuesdays with Stories. I mean, we're just doing Seinfeld, all George the time. and Jerry. I mean, that's yep. just what we're doing. And um, I always think it's amazing that there's people, there must be a lot of people, like young people that listen to our podcast who never watch the show. Yeah. And I feel like if they ever watch Seinfeld, they'd be like, Wait a minute. What the fuck is this? But you know what's crazy? Here's what's crazy. I always talk about this with age and I want to get into mindfulness and health and all that shit. Of course. Yeah. Here's a weird thing about age. So now like people that are like 20 years old now, Seinfeld went off the air 22 years ago. So it was in its prime 25 years ago. So that's the equivalent of you and I, when we were teenagers watching something from 19... 70, 1970 i guess yeah it'd yeah. be like, if, it'd be like if, if, if all your if your dad and his friends are really into happy days quotes you know what right, I'm saying? right. <laughs> yeah like, it'd be like that yeah absolutely it's weird so uh i don't know it makes me feel old or whatever but it's a great great show obviously and it's meant so much to me i mean when i was i i was bummed when they came out on dvd and now they're all streaming because i had this weird ego and we talk about ego a lot on this but like i started recording all of Seinfeld's on VHS starting. And I have all of season eight and nine, the original broadcast on VHS. Cause I started recording the new ones, but I was also recording them off of like UPN 38 and like TBS yeah. and all that stuff. So I had every episode and I had this boxes and boxes of VHS, like ep- tons of episodes. And when I started doing stand up, I would go and do an open mic in Boston and drive home. And every night I would watch at least two, sometimes four or five episodes every single night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes like, it's, it's, you want to talk about, uh, you know, 
as far as uh, it's nostalgic. It becomes a teddy bear almost because I have, I have my connection to it is like, I used to watch it with my dad when I was younger. Then my dad died when I was younger and stuff like that. So, so I have that connection to it as well. I also, that's why whenever I, when I had regular cable, which I still, I kind of do I have Hulu live now, but uh, I, that's why it's on Hulu. But if I catch it on TV, I'm more inclined to watch it on TV because of that, like that watching it live kind of feel like there is a difference. Yeah. The only thing with that though, is that they do edit, they make edits and yes, I'll notice missing jokes and lines where I'm like, Hey, wait a second. Same here. Yeah. There's little, do. little subtleties, but um, yeah, it definitely because like a, like a psychologist could do like a study on what, the TV show has meant to me, obviously like it's been like the basis of my sense of humor, but like the, the comfort that it's brought me in my life. And yeah. I listened to um, Quentin Tarantino talking recently, or as an interview I was reading about the idea of he likes hangout movies. He calls them where it's they're movies that you enjoy watching. They're fun just because you want to hang out with the characters. Yeah. And he said like Jackie Brown was his attempt at like a hangout movie where it's not, exhilarating and there's not a lot of action and not a lot of murder, but you just really enjoy the characters. And he, he said dazed and confused is like the greatest hangout movie of oh all time. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's literally them hanging out. Yeah. And you just like, I mean, you just rewatch it. He thinks it's the best movie in the last 30 years. And really, yeah, he said he made a list of the best movies since he started making movies. And I think that was his number one. Well, I think it because it, it, it captures a time so perfectly. If he, again, he lived through that time. That's like his prime. Like he was probably what age is that? Actually, no, he was little when that the year that was supposed to be. It was like that was supposed to be like what, like nineteen late seventies, right? Yeah, I think it's um seventy six. I think it's the last day of school seventy six. Oh, maybe it's seventy nine, something like that. I thought it was seventy nine, maybe. Yeah, I thought I it was seventy nine. Yeah, but when you if something nails it, that kind of did it for me. I have the equivalent of that with Stranger Things because Stranger Things to me nailed the feel of 1983 and 1984 so hard. Like a non-cheesy feel to those, not only to what it was like to live through that, but also how how media or movies or TV were made during that time. I don't know if you remember that, but like movies from back in the day, the kids, they acted like adults almost. Do you know what right. I mean? Like, and then, and then, and then for, and then when like the Disney channel came by and you had like saved by the bell, everything had this like weird sheen put on it where the kids became way younger than they, than they actually probably are in real life. So you like, it kind of, it kind of affected actual kids. And then that's why 19 now is so much younger than 19, 30 years ago, because maybe you can go into coddling and stuff like that. But when it comes to like, like if you watch um, like Goonies, okay. If you watch Goonies and you watch stranger things, the kids act the same way. Like it's kind of a cool thing to watch, you know, but if you watch movies now, like even if you watch like, um, that's super, what's it called? Um, the one with the JJ Abrams one. Oh, super with, eight. Super eight, like they tried that, but they didn't pull it off. It's a certain type of kid, like a, a kid that like acts like an adult on his own, and there's no parental involvement, and it's all the kids, you know, like that kind of thing. Well, the best example of that, I feel like, is Stand by Me. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I mean, like stuff like that, where it's like this could be all a bunch of adults doing this, like you know, like these. This doesn't have to be kids, 
playing these parts, you know? Right. That reminds um, me of a uh, real quick, a funny story. And then I want to get into some of your, uh, your upbringing and therapy. Sure. And you, you must be a psycho. I imagine. In some Absolutely. Ways. Great. Uh, well, that reminds me though, of, <laughs> there was a story in my hometown. I might've told this story before somewhere, but there's a story in my hometown when I was a teenager, they were looking for these kids were driving around. They had bowling balls and they were whipping bowling balls like out the window of a car and like hitting mailbox. They were even hitting like other cars, like bowling balls were going through windshields They'd throw them at parked cars. And it was doing all this damage. And it took them like weeks to find these kids. <laughs> and the reason it took weeks was because it turned out as a bunch of like guys in their mid thirties. It was a bunch <laughs> of like just dudes like us that were just fucking hated their wives and were animals running around throwing bowling balls out the just window. A bunch of angry grown men just chucking stuff. Yeah. And you're like, I got the kids. And I imagine they just, they light them up and pull them over. And it's just a bunch of dudes with like, you know, balding and going, ah, so wedding rings. It's so sad. That's um, so funny. Cause I think every town has something like that because I, when I was growing up, a friend of mine was involved in a case where in Long Island, where he was going around with friends and he wasn't young either. He was probably like 19 at the time it happened. And they were shooting people with like, like darts. They were shooting people with like, they had like a dart gun, but it was like, a, it wasn't like a, I don't know if it was metal or plastic dart, whatever it was, but they were like shooting it out of a car. And they were searching for them for like a couple of weeks. And it turned out it was my one friend and this other kid who was named Mike Simpson and that we also knew. And this one, our friend, the minute he found out it was the kid, Mike Simpson, he started calling him Dart Simpson, which was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's beautiful. Um, all right, let's get into So how, wait, how old are you then? Cause you said 82, 83. I was born 82. I'm 42. Oh, wow. You're my wife's age. Same age. Yeah. Same age. 78. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. My sister yeah. also. Um, and you're, you're a Long Island guy. I'm a Long Island guy. So I grew up, my, my whole experience is like the city. So when I got of age, like I grew up like a half hour outside Manhattan. Right. I feel that way with Boston. Like I yeah. grew up uh, in the South shore, about 40 minutes South of Boston. But as soon as I turned 18, I was in the city every night. I just did comedy. So I was there every night. Yeah. We were, so, we were, mine was when I was 17, 18, we were skateboarding in Manhattan Midtown every night. Oh, wow. You were a skateboarder. Yeah. But I was about, you know, eight, 60 pounds lighter yeah, and 70 pounds lighter. <laughs> wow. I don't picture you as a skateboarder. See, you're interesting because you have, I feel like you're not what people imagine as Long Island, but then you are no. what some people might imagine as Long Island, I guess. You feel like a blue collar Irish yeah. guy, but yeah, I think yeah. people think Long Island, they think more Italian and Jew. Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. Yeah. I think mostly Jewish or they think Italian, like, like, like Jersey Shore type people. Yes. I think Jersey Shore is what, which by the way, Jersey Shore just got annihilated with their bad rap of like mob and Jersey shore, like, no, the Jersey shore is like one of the most spectacular places in the country. (laughs) Some of the nicest people I've ever met are from New Jersey. Like I always say the biggest contrast in, in impression of a a state and of a people to reality is like insane. People think of the highway, the gas fires and the TV show. Best people oh, I've yeah. ever met in my life are from New Jersey. And, and also, like, Guido's wasn't just a Jersey Shore thing. You had Guido's everywhere on the East Coast, pretty much, down here. Like, we had, we used to fight with Guido's every year at the Italian fair. It would be skateboarders versus the Guido's. Wow, oh, that's fun. Did you guys win? We win sometimes. It, was, it always ended up, we just yelled at each other. There was barely a fight, and it was like that kind of thing, yeah. 
Well, certainly if it's a fist fight, I mean, outside of Rocky Balboa, I mean, the Irish really have the fist fighting over the Italians. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely do. Yeah. But if you're going to involve weapons, it might get a little tricky. But now, yeah. are you an anxiety guy? Are you a therapy guy? Depression? What's your what's your what's your flavor? What's your well, uh, well, sauce? <laughs> What's your, what's your uh, flavor of the day? I, uh, well, okay. So I'm a therapy guy. I've been in therapy for five years, uh, if not longer. And, um, my, the anxiety, I think I have, um, I don't have crippling anxiety, but I, I think I have anxiety, but my thing is this. So, so one time I asked my therapist, I said, you know, cause, cause I realized everybody, there's a whole spectrum of what type of personality disorder you can have, whatever it is. And I go, I know, you know, you have the extremes, you have the manic depressives. I asked her once, I said, uh, I go, where would I fall among that, uh, on that spectrum? And she told me, I was like, I don't know if you can even tell me that. I don't know if that's like, you know, in my file type stuff, but I, you know, so I go, what is that? And she said, uh, you would be classified as depressive to mild depressive. That's what she said. Oh, wow. So wait, is, de is depressive like to the left or right of mild? Depressive is worse than mild? I think depressive is worse, worse than mild depressive. Sure. I see. So I think it's like in between those two. Gotcha. Okay. Cause it's interesting because you have, and I talk about this almost every week with every guest is everybody's impression of people is different from what's actually going on. Yeah. And you're a guy that everybody perceives as up all the time, happy and excited. And Hey guys. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, is that, is that a mask you're wearing? Is that, or is that you're just in a good mood when you're around people and then you get depressed when you're away from people? Well, it's funny because you have the best, you said the best way to do my impression is just to say my name, which is really funny. And Sean? Sean? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I can do of your, of you. Uh, the one thing I will say is this, uh, no, it's not a mask. I, um, I don't think of, it's not like I, when I, when I talk about depressive, I think that's an overall picture. So, uh, when I, when I'm with people and I'm uh, having a good time, that's a true feeling. I'm not, I'm not faking anything. Right. Uh, but do I have my moments where I, you know, I think my moments come from, um, either it's like fear of missing out or it's fear of uh, worrying about what people are thinking about me or, or I think, I think me trying to have a good time. I'm not, I think it's a true, true feeling, but me trying to do it is to make sure that I'm liked. That's the whole idea. That's how I was right. It's like the whole idea of like, Oh, be nice. And, and you want people to like you. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. I have the same thing. A yeah. crippling desire to be liked, yeah. which yeah. is extremely difficult for people with that who are in show business. One reason, I mean, maybe that's what led us to show business, but to be in show business and now in the age of social media and also in this age of everything is, which side are you on? What did you just say? Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. Oh, it's brutal, absolutely brutal. Because the amount of things you want to, you the amount of things you want to say, but then you're like, oh, just if I, just the one wrong person decides that I'm an asshole for saying it, then I'm screwed. Yeah, exactly. And um, now, and also now we live in this really strange time that's hard to navigate. In that everyone, everybody's guilty of this. Everybody paints everybody as this one thing if you say this one thing where if you're like 
boy, I don't know, defunding the police. I mean, I, that could lead to some problems. Whoa, look at this yeah. fucking conservative right wing fucking yeah. red state, redneck Trump loving piece of shit. And you're like, yeah, oh, I just think we might need police. I don't know. Yeah. It's so funny that when it comes to people on the, the when, you, when you're super progressive, that's where most of the artists are supposed to lie. But why can't you understand that people are more complex and aren't just about their politics? You know what I'm saying? Like, why, like you're, you're, you're in, in, in as far as their art go and the human condition goes, it's it, like you're thinking, oh, the humans are complex. When it comes to politics, you better be on my side. You better be on the left side of things. Yeah. It's, it's black or white. That's all there is. Well, it's strange, and I've said it before, too. It's also becomes quite removed from the idea of progression and liberalism. Right. It's Absolutely. Sort of the opposite as if you're not on my side, you're a piece of shit. And you're like, that's sort of the antithesis. That's the opposite of what I understood liberalism as. And well, that's one of the things that started to cut you off, but, but no. what, what, that's why I, I'm not a huge. Okay. So here's the thing. I really like Bill Maher's comedy. I could take or leave, whatever you want to say it. But I will say this, Bill Maher is more of a liberal than a lot of people who call themselves liberal liberals because he's liberal his liberal ideals go across the board they go across the board to every human being and there's a couple of different clips from his show that exemplify that and one of those is when he had you ever watched the clip of him and he has sam harris on and, and ben affleck is on there as well you're talking to the right guy i mean i'm, I'm sam harris obsessed i mention every uh, time and sam yeah. harris waking up app is the has changed my life more than anything including my therapist yeah it's great well i mean i listen to the podcast but i should hit up the app yeah the app's incredible, and um, it's the best meditation uh, introduction and course I've ever used or taken. It's I'm having like huge breakthroughs, which we could talk about as well. But yes, yeah, I know the clip you're talking about. And so that to me is the like so like what he's like. You have somebody like Ben Affleck, and he's like Hollywood liberal, and he's probably trying to say like he's on the side of I consider myself a liberal, but what what. Sam Harris and Bill Maher are trying to convey is that they're actual liberals because they're, they're fighting for liberal ideals. Even when, even, even if it cuts in, even if it offends you because it, it deals with your religion, because they're talking about, about Islam. And, and, and at one point, Bill, uh, uh, Ben Affleck says to Sam Harris, he goes, are you, uh, trained in, uh, in, in Islam, uh, uh, you know, expertly or whatever, whatever he says to him, he goes, yeah, I'm actually really educated on the topic. Sam Harris is like a, a religious scholar. Like he's been studying his whole life. So it's funny for me to watch that. And it's like Ben Affleck looks like such a fucking doofus in that little part. But that's that kind of, to me, exemplifies the problem. Like if you're going to be liberal, you have to be liberal across the board. You have to be for every everything that you spout. It can't, it can't end because you don't want to piss somebody off because they're a different religion than you. Like, like religions can are oppressive a lot of the time. So it's like, so that's why I like that clip because it really, it really shows how hypocritical that side of things can be, you know? Well, what's amazing about the the clip also, and um, I'll wrap up the political section here, yeah, of this totally, or whatever, totally. but because I don't want to lose folks, but that's if we lose you, that's what we're talking about. Really? Yeah. <laughs> People are like, I'm out. They're talking about whatever. But what's amazing about that clip is it starts with Sam Harris saying, if you critique a religion, you're immediately called a bigot. Right. And then Ben Affleck proceeds to prove his point for like 10 straight minutes. Um, I also might add trying to be um, empathetic to all people as we're talking about. I do think Ben Affleck, from what I understand, has a substance abuse problem and may have been struggling with drugs and alcohol I at think, the time. I think you're right. I think he might have been on something at the at. Literally in that in that show. 
And I do think it's important to point out that I do think uh, this happens a lot too. And I think it, it helps to remind us for both sides, maybe that Ben Affleck at the time, in that moment believed he was doing the right thing. Like sure. he's, he's coming from a good place. He's just misguided. Um, but his reactions to thing were very, they were very passive aggressive and very like, like it's almost like when you're in an argument with you're like a, a family member and you say something they don't like and they go, fine, fine, fine. That's it. That's it. Then that's it. Fine. He wasn't, he wasn't intelligently listening to the, the other guy and, and really understanding what he was saying. That was, that's what came through to me. Yeah, completely. And, and I've heard Sam Harris talk about it in other places and he was said like, I think he sized it up right is that somebody put a bug in Ben Affleck's ear of this guy's yes. like a, whatever. He's this guy. He's got a, a book about yeah. Islam and, yeah. and Ben Affleck didn't like that and said, I'm going to take a crack when I have a chance to. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's a great clip. But Sam Harris r- removed from his feelings on Islam and um, all that stuff is a meditation teacher and the waking up app. He makes it free if you can't afford it. So no questions asked. You can email and be like, hey, I can't afford to pay for this. And you can get the app. And oh, wow. it's incredible. There's like hours and hours and hours of like interviews, like um, guided meditations, long guided meditations, loving kindness meditations, introductions to meditations. It's really incredible. I use it every day. It's tremendous. I'm going to get it. Uh, yeah, you should definitely get it. Are you a meditator at all? No, no, I'm not. But I kind of, I wouldn't mind getting into it. I just never, you know what it was? I tried without buying one of the apps, like the Calm one or this one. I tried to do it on Spotify because I pay for Spotify every every uh, month. I like Spotify a lot. And they had, when I typed it into Spotify, the, the they only have like the free versions that the people who have pay versions are trying to get you as a customer. So the the first five minutes is them giving you them their spiel. And even when you think it's done, they just keep talking about how much you should pay for their app. So that just got me frustrated and that's, I stopped listening to it. That's brutal. I mean, that's what Sam Harris is so great. I mean, the general idea of the fact that the Sam Harris app, he's like, yeah, we we don't want financial finances to be the reason you're not using this. Right. Which again, like intentions, this guy's like trying to make the world a better place. Yes. So. I appreciate that. Like someone messaged me and was like, you should do a Patreon with guided meditations. And I'm like, I was like, Oh, it's a good idea. But after a minute of thinking, I'm like, but waking up app is free. Like this guy's yeah, just certified. Yeah. I'm like, I would, it would be <laughs> shitty of me to get people's money. And then I'm just like reading, I'm just listening to Sam Harris in one ear and just saying it into my microphone. <laughs> um, but so I want to get into, so depression, can we talk about your dad a little bit? I, mean, I didn't sure. ask you before. So yeah. do you think, so your dad passed away. How old were you? I was 22. Okay, 22. So that's, I, I was thinking younger. That's nothing. Yep. Never mind. Forget it. Uh, <laughs> but he, but he, was, he was, the weird part about it is that he was 53. Wow. So that's the strange part of it because he was super, he was pretty young. He was pretty young. That's, I, I would say, really young. I mean, that's 25 years below the, um, what do you Average. call it? A, age yeah. of expectancy or life expectancy, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. was it a sudden shocking thing? No, it was a thing where he never took care of himself, really. Um, uh, he never took care of himself. And then he had a, he had a couple of things called TIAs, which are mini strokes. And then uh, because he just ignored that, and he, the, guy, the guy had diabetes and he would take, he would take medicine for it, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't do the insulin. So that fucked him up even more. And uh, so from the, all that, he had a regular stroke. And then when, when he was in rehab for the regular stroke, like physical, physical fitness rehab, he had a heart attack 
And, mm. uh, and then from there he was, I think from the stroke, he was uh, partial, he was half paralyzed on the half his body. So for a year and a half, he was basically just shutting down. Like it was just his body shutting down. And then, so we had to take care of him for like a year and a half. So it was a big part of my life. But the weird, I have a weird, um, I have a thing with it where like, I think there's a lot of theories I have about myself, about like this, like the idea of like staying connected to my dad, like staying bearded and fat. So I stay connected to my dad. It's a lot of fucked up, like, like, I, oh, that's why I haven't bettered myself because I'm like, oh, I deserve this because he did this. Also, like, I was almost a cop because he was a cop. Like, right afterwards, I took tests to be a cop. Like, I had a, I have a weird connection with it, you know? Wow. So you really, like, adored your dad. I've seen you I, post the photos and everything, and it sounds like he was a good guy. He was a good guy. He did not have his fault. He, he had a temper. Uh, he didn't, but he was, a, overall, he was a really good guy. Really, really good guy. Uh, she had a short, his, his shortcoming was short temper. But I, I, the, as I get older, the more I think about him, I think that he was a guy who didn't, he was a smarter guy than what he didn't like. So he would work corrections, and he worked at Rikers Island, and he worked overnights for, like, 20 years, right? So that affected his mental stability. Like that affected who he was. I think if he had an opportunity or if he would have had enough, he was very insecure. His insecurity is very similar to mine. I think it's like the not good enough thing. So uh, I think if he would have had the, the secure, the secureness, the security to, to maybe become a chef or become his own, his own restaurant, I think he would have been a way happier guy and maybe would have lived longer. You know, it's like, but I only realized that years down the road because uh, I realized what the age I was when all this was going down, I just let it happen because he was my dad and I'm not going to question his practice, what he's doing. Like nobody at 22, I wasn't at the point where I was going to be like, Hey, you got to eat better. Like I, I didn't even have that. We didn't have that in my house. Like it wasn't a thing. Right. Well, that's the kind of like what you were talking about earlier. That feels strangely more like a new thing. Yeah. Like back yeah. then, the idea of a kid telling a parent what to do was insane. Insane. Yeah, exactly. And but I, I kind of wish it wasn't like, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, well, that's a good thing to note that like most change, most progress we've made has been positive of people understanding mental health, physical health, relationships with parents, all those things have been good. Like that's something I wish. Well, certainly we wish you had. The ability to be like, hey, I'm a little concerned about you. Maybe you could. Absolutely. And, and, um, and I'll tell you, and therapy is the reason. All this, all these things that I come to are because of therapy. Therapy, I, I used to have a shorter temper. I used to get frustrated all the time. But, and all, some of that is age, but a lot of that is therapy. I, like, it, it allows you to be self-aware. Like I, I wasn't, when I was in, like the best thing I ever did was move from Long Island to when I lived in Brooklyn and, and Queens and uh, because it made me like step outside and be more self-aware of the situation I came from and what I, what I was like, you know? Yeah. I mean, self-examination, who is it? Socrates or Plato? An unexamined life is not worth living. Oh, I'm not um, sure who said it, but I've heard that quote. Yeah. It's one of those two guys. I think it was Socrates. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, that's the combination for me of therapy and, uh, meditation and mindfulness, that thing of catching yourself be like, Oh, okay. I'm reacting this way because of that, because of childhood. The way I grew up, the way I was mm -hmm. treated then is making me, is tr this is triggering me in this way. And that allows all of those like snapping, flipping out, all that shit to be much briefer yep. in Absolutely. time, which I'm dealing with. We talked earlier. I'm having like this insane day that is angering me, but like not to get into the whole thing, but like we did a, 
a sound check for this comedy seller show. And one of the guys was late. And then my green screen wasn't working and my computer needed to be updated. Then my microphone shit the bed. And yeah. then you and I were supposed to record, but the microphone had me <laughs> yeah. sounding like a chipmunk and Sarah was on the phone. I don't know how to do tech. I'm a fucking idiot. So then yeah. you start having that thing where you're like, I'm an idiot. This is because I never learned anything. I never learned tech. I just let everyone else. I was spoiled. I let my mother do my taxes or whatever bullshit. You start. Yeah. And it's much easier to catch myself now going, no, no, you're fine. You've accomplished a lot. You're a very smart guy. You're smart yeah. in other ways. And we'll just reschedule. Sean won't care. We'll, we'll redo it. And it allows all those things to be much briefer. Let me ask you this. Do you have like you? I think you probably have the same thing that I have where it's like, like, just like now when you said, Sean, I'll be, of course I'll be okay with it. And I would be on the phone together about it, but do you have it where you play out the scenario in your head of me getting really pissed because of what's going on when that's not the reality at all? Yeah. Well, it's similar to what we were talking about. It's that crippling desire to be light and to not be a burden. Yes, absolutely. That's how I felt as a yeah. kid was like as a burden that, and I still feel that way at shows and in podcasts of like, I'm still that guy that's like, could you possibly move it? If not, no big deal. Don't worry yep. about it. Yep. And meanwhile, we've been friends for a decade. I know you, I know like nobody's really, in fact, most people are thrilled when you're like, we can do it later. Great. Put it off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then, yeah, oh, you're absolutely right. No, 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 totally. I a hundred percent agree. It's the, I like, that's one of the other things that fits into, um, how I was raised as well, where it was like, even something as small as the, how are you question? So the way that, and it doesn't mean that I was told this verbatim on how to react if somebody says, how are you? But the way I was raised was like, it doesn't matter what's going on. And this, this, this crept over into relationships and all my marriage, all this stuff. It doesn't matter what's going on with me. I'll deal with that. And that's an Irish thing too, but I don't, we don't have to get into that, but I'm, but, but, uh, it doesn't matter what's happening to me, what's happening with you. So if somebody says, how are you? I'll go, I'm good. Even if I'm not good, I'll just say, I'm good. Everything's fine. What's going on with you? What about this? What about that? Because then I'll you be viewed as I'm concerned about what's going on with you. I, I care. We only care about what's going on with you. Right. Does that Man. make sense? Yeah, totally. I'm just trying to think because yeah. I'm like, I'm also a guy though that has always told everybody all my problems. Yeah. And okay. My thing is also because I'm like, I'm always looking for the answer. And this is something I've worked on. It was working on even today is the idea of not trusting yourself. I need somebody else to confirm that I'm doing the right thing, which I just dealt with with buying a car. I just bought a car. Oh, nice. And I'm asking everybody, I'm like, is this a good car? Is that a good car? And people are messaging me. And then they're going, no, that car is not. And I'm going, fuck, I bought the wrong car. I'm an idiot. <laughs> and then it's just like, why not? I like the car. I did some research myself. Like, why am I believing some stranger? Or why do I need approval of somebody else? I have to, everything I have, I ask somebody else. I'm like, what do you think? Do you think, okay. And then I'm doing like polls because I have no faith or belief in my own ability oh, sure. to decide something. I'm the same. I've even done that. Even at, in like, we do, we do a, a comic trivia night. I've even done that where my group, my trivia group, I'll give my answer. And I'm like 80% sure that's the answer. But then I'll go, that's just my opinion, but whatever you guys want to do. And then they go with the wrong one and I don't speak up. And I just go, and I know it's probably not it. Like I'm 80% sure, but I'm still like, I'd rather us be wrong than 
me get me put my foot down and say no guys this is definitely it Do you know what i mean like like i it's it's a, ver- a much smaller example of what you're talking about where it's like it's just the idea where like hey as long as you're still cool with me this is this is my opinion but whatever i don't want to rock the boat here at all you know yeah so i have that and but then i have that ego comeback where i would rather i don't want to be at fault for being wrong because i don't want to be that guy but then right. when it turns out that I was right. I yeah. love being like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I said it. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. but I didn't have the confidence to push it because I wasn't confident in myself until it's confirmed. And then yep. I'm the guy that's like, yeah, don't listen yes. to me. Yes. And the same just, exact way. Same yeah. Way. And uh, yeah, I have that for sure. Which is all, again, all shit that I'm trying to um, work on. And now with the meditation, this Sam Harris app, what I'm really working on, is like the deeper meditation of non-duality or no self or emptiness. They call it all these things that I've been reading about for years and I'm now breaking through with the idea that all these things are just things in our consciousness. They're just things that we're experiencing, just like a sound or a sight. They're just feelings, anger, depression, sadness. It's all just things that we're experiencing in our consciousness of like oh i'm just feeling this is just something that's present right now yes and we, it's not it's not existing in the real world that's what you're saying yeah and we don't have to identify with it where it's like i'm sad i'm joe and i am sad i'm a sad person where it's just like i'm just experiencing sadness right now you know it doesn't yeah. you don't have to identify with your thoughts of like i'm a piece of shit i fucked i don't know how to do the zoom mic my sound is off. I'm a moron. I'm a guy that can't figure things out. And I'm just identifying with this thought that I'm having in this moment. Yeah. And well, the a thought is just a thought. It's just a thing that's where I'm experiencing just like a bird chirping or fleeting. a light turning on. Yeah. It's just a, a thing that I'm experiencing. It's passing by. Yeah. It doesn't define anything. Absolutely. I, I think that's totally true. And I, and I, well, I think it was even like somebody like Dan St. Germain said this to me once. And it's a, it's a, I think yours is a way more philosophical way of thinking, but he was like, but even as a real, in real world terms, um, he said to me, and it really made me feel better. He said, nobody is thinking you, uh, thinking about you ever as much as you're thinking about yourself. Like nobody. And it's, and it's, and it's like, not, but not, no, not in a, like a, a caring meaning like nobody is, um, hover, nobody's hovering over you and micromanaging the things that you're doing or the responses you're giving or the looks that you gave or the one little word that you said wrong more than you're doing that to yourself. You're the only one doing that because people, as I honestly, I've talked about this with my therapist as, as humans, like it, I think we inherently start off it, it, the whole idea is survival. So we're starting off inherently as selfish beings. And the whole idea is you have to be because you, the, they want you to survive so you can procreate and whatever, whatever it is, whatever, whatever theory you want to make. But in actuality, most of the time you're thinking it's all, it's everything's through your eyes. There is no objectivity ever. There's never, that's another thing I was talking about. Think about that. There's ne- nothing is ever looked at a hundred percent objectively. You, we could both have a red ball in front of us and we're, both going to take both of our experiences and look at that ball. You know what I'm saying? So when, when if you if you throw in emotion and you throw in uh, ego and non-ego and and uh, super ego and 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 insecurity and anxiety into that, oh my God! Think about what kind of weird rose-colored glass—not even rose-colored glass, whatever you call them—just just fractured glasses you would get at that point. Like you're not looking at it 
by any means, there's the objectivity is so hard to reach with how you can look at each situation. Yeah, that, I mean, that made me think of a great um, analogy that I heard Sam Harris talk about, but I think it's an old thing that other people have used in Buddhism and stuff, where it, we've all had an experience where you're at a restaurant. This could have deeper meanings for several things, but similar to what you're talking about, how, how it's all um, subjective, in that you've been at a restaurant and for a while, you're just kind of glancing over there and it's a restaurant that like one whole wall is a mirror. And this entire time you thought, it was a deeper restaurant, a bigger restaurant yes. that you thought you were in. And then all of a sudden you just know that you realize that it's a mirror. Somehow somebody moves and then you realize, Oh, those people are those people over there. And this entire, your whole view has changed, but yeah. that a hundred, that, that whole time you've been looking at a mirror reflecting people that are over there and yourself, but you thought it was this much deeper room. So you're like, yeah, it's this huge long room and there's people over there. It's full. Yeah. And then reality is those people aren't there at all. There's no people over there. Yeah. It shows you how thin the, the line of reality is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. Like that's real. That actually really is interesting because for, for however, even if it's 15 seconds, you were, you had a completely different worldview. You, you, you were like, even if it's spatially you had, cause you were like, you, cause what you're thinking in your brain is I could walk over there. Uh, maybe that's the way to the bath, whatever you're thinking, even if it's just logistic things like that, maybe that's the way to the bathroom, whatever it is. And then when that doesn't exist, that's gotta do something to you. Even if it's minuscule, that's gotta do something to you. Yeah. It's weird. And then you can't re-see it as that restaurant. Like no. now you're trying to remember what it looked like over there. And you're like, I can't even fathom it. No, it's and just a mirror at this point. Your brain was just uh, interpreting wrong. So sure. I don't know where I was going with that, but that's just something fun to say. <laughs> I, think it, but I, think, but I think you're right. And I think it also, it also lends itself to how much we don't know about our, our brains and, uh, and, and reality itself and they, how much they don't know about our, our physics and our, like, like they just found these and like deep in the Antarctica, they, they found these particles that don't react the way that particles are supposed to react or these certain particles are supposed to react. And they're realizing that they don't know everything about our, you know, and then, you know, even if you look at it, like the, uh, all the Phyllis, all like the same way with therapy or with meditation, all the, 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 the schools of philosophy kind of fit into the same way. It's like, like that, that's what they wonder about. Like dream, dreaming is always really interesting too, because you ever, you ever hear the whole thing about how when we're sleeping, our brains, they've done like, you know, they do like the heat um, tests and whatever they, the thermal things on your, on, on your brain or whatever it is. It's running like you're up and you're, and you're thinking and you're walking around. It's, it's running hot. Like your brain's running hot when you're sleeping. Like something's happening to your brain. And there's, there's theory, there's crazy theories about it where it's like, well, is it interdimensional? Are you going somewhere else? Are you, what, are you in a different state? Are you, are you, affecting something, some other plane of reality. Are you doing, and you know, and they, it sounds fantastical, but it's like, they don't know. They don't know for sure. It's just you're sleeping and your dreams just make your brain run hot because it's, it's not like they're just saying that where they're like, Oh, it's that little part right there. That's your dreams, but it's still you. Basically what they're saying is like your body's acting way different than it should be while you're sleeping. Interesting. Got yeah. it. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, Every Sarah, my wife, obviously, uh, not obviously, but Sarah's my yeah, wife. She's uh, your wife, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's like I guess to you, it's obvious. But then, like the audience might be like, I never heard of this Sarah character. <laughs> um, by the way, she has a new album out right now called "Voluptuous Boy." Go check it out. Um, Voluptuous boy. Um, but yeah, she has like anxiety, depression, horrible anxiety, and she has crazy 
nightmares every night. Like every morning, she just tells me like the most insane, vivid nightmare. She's a very creative person. I have yeah. dreams. Do you remember dream? I remember my dreams occasionally. Uh, but she'll wow. every morning she's like, this happened. And it's all wow. like scary shit. We were getting chased and my dad had a clown mask and like whatever. Wow. Shit. Yeah. I, um, okay. So I, it's funny you said that because last night and from what I hear, I've heard a thing about cheese. Have you heard the thing about cheese? You know about cheese? I know about cheese. Yeah. No cheese. Well, I've heard that because of the cultures in cheese, if you have that right before you go to bed, you can have vivid, crazy dreams. And last night, I, I haven't remember, remembered a dream in like a year, Joe, like in like a year. But last night, I full on remembered this wacky, wacky dream that I have. But, I'm, I'm, but, I, but I usually never do. And I, and, I, and I don't know. I'll remember little pieces. And then by the time I'm fully up, they're gone. Okay, so this is interesting because last night, Sarah and I had cheese, egg and cheese uh, quesadillas for dinner. Yeah. A bunch of them. Yeah. And I had a dream. I never remember my dreams, but I remembered my dream. So it's, it could be cheese. That's what I've heard. <laughs> that you might what, have, to, have to Google it, but that's what I've heard. What's the cheese theory? Is it just, I mean, is it I, any dairy? Could it be milk? Well, when, when cheese is cured, when, you know, it's, it, when it's being cured, isn't cheese cured? I'm, am I, I'm, I don't know. What, I'm sounding like an I idiot. I didn't even know but, it was sick. But the, <laughs> <laughs> the culture is in cheese. Like, you know how they have, like, whatever's going on, uh, the process of making the cheese I guess it does something to your either your chemical levels or it, it it's almost like you're tripping out a little bit like it's like you know you're you're, you're tripping out like almost like, you know like something go, it's like something the like cheese is fermented like if you it can affect the it can affects your brain that's all they're saying interesting but it, it makes you remember super vivid dreams and it's happened to me more than once it doesn't happen all the time I think it's if like Whenever I see it happening is if I don't have cheese for a while and then I have it like that. Like it's like if, if, if cheese is brought back into my diet randomly and it's like, I'll have it late. Like last night I probably had it like eight o'clock, but I don't know. I guess that was late enough, but whatever. But I honestly, I'm not a guy who remembers his dreams, but I, I have a couple of recurring ones that I remember that I've had over and over like freaky, freaky dreams that I've had over. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now we, were you ever a mushroom guy or LS acid guy? No, no, I wasn't. But I, I kind of want to do DMT because of what I've heard about it. Um, interesting. Well, of all those, mushrooms seem the most interesting to me or because they're using them now with... I've read a fascinating article about people that have cancer. They do the microdosing and then people get to like know their cancer and see it and befriend it or some shit. Really? That sounds great. Yeah. I mean, that because it sounds like mushrooms can be like basically a fast forward to where you can get yourself through meditation. But it was interesting, you, you bringing up cheese being fermented or whatever made me wonder <laughs> I, if you were ever... Been, I've been microdosing cheese on a deli <laughs> I've been macrodosing or whatever the opposite <laughs> of that is. So you were never a, um, a, a psychedelics kind of guy. No, I was a... Uh, what you call it? I was a... Um, uh, I, I'm a big drinker, obviously. I, I, I've, I've slowed down. And then just like lately I've been uh, edibles, but not like the, not mushrooms and not acid, but I really, I'm kind of freaked out by it. But from what I've heard about, um, what I've heard about DM, you know, about DMT, right? Uh, a little bit. Not really. I mean, I was never a drug guy and I'm sober now. So it's all sort of off the table. Right. Right. Um, uh, the me. DMT thing sounds the most interesting. Like I have a buddy of mine who had like, he had, uh, 
anxiety problems and he was taking medicine for it. And then the DMT kind of, he heard that it could rewire uh, your brain a little bit. And he had a buddy who'd take it and then got off his medicine. And since my friend took DMT, he hasn't taken his, his, his meds. Interesting. Uh, and there's this weird thing that happens on it, but you said um, about people getting to know their cancer through the microdosing mushrooms. DMT, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about other dimensions. Like they don't know what's going on in your head while you're sleeping or whatever. DMT, they have a theory that you're visiting another dimension when you go to it because people, the way they describe things is they say uh, life under, D- what you're seeing under DMT is more vivid like what you like your your eyes have like a lens over it that like dulls things on on DMT whatever you're seeing you're seeing things uh way more vivid and it's almost like that lens is taken away like like you know what i mean so but uh the the weirdest thing i ever heard about it is that um people who take DMT i've, I've read multiple articles about it they not only do they see crazy stuff people who don't know each other have had the same trip where they see the same like dwarf like creatures talking to them telepathically and telling them things. That's cause like, that's cause Gary Veter sells DMT. <laughs> so that was actually the same guy. Uh, <laughs> but I just thought that was so out there. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but I've, there's tons of stuff online about like people that don't know each other taking DMT and they see the same trip. They see these same beings and then people don't know what these beings are. That's what they're trying to figure out. See, that stuff to me sounds, this is why I never, one of the reasons, I mean, fear basically, but I mean, one of the reasons I never got into that shit was I had so much anxiety and panic in my life that like, if I was, I've always thought if I took mushrooms, maybe it would have had the reverse effect. Maybe it would have been great. But I've heard a theory about people say, if you, if you're right about having a bad trip, you will have a bad trip. With those uh, yes, drugs. I've, I've heard that too. I've heard that. Yeah. And you had to like, it, it matters who you take those drugs with because you have to trust them and it can't be like, like it can't, you, the person you're with can weird you out if you're not a hundred percent comfortable and stuff like that. Yeah. And everyone always claims they're the right person. I talked yes. to like Mike Kaplan, Ari Shafir, both past guests. And they're like, if you came with me, you'd love it. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> like no one's ever like, I'm the worst guy to take mushrooms with. <laughs> Mushrooms, mushrooms fucking blow with me. I can tell you that. <laughs> Cause that would be funny to, it would be funny if I, like the old me, when I was a drunk, the guy that if, if I was a mushroom guy, I would take mushrooms and then just start roasting the guy just to fuck with him, <laughs> just to ruin his trip. Um, just to freak him out, you know? Yeah. Just to ruin his life. But, um, interesting. Well, I recommend the, uh, the waking up app for sure. Now. So did you, I forget if I already asked this, maybe I wanted to ask it, but we got off topic, I guess. But did you feel depressed similarly before your father died or did the depression come afterwards? Do you think? I think I'm sure I had, I, I, I don't know what I would have been categorized as before. Cause I didn't, I wasn't going to therapy. I was, uh, and then, and also I would say it came after. And then, and, and I think part of it, <clears throat> the reason being is I didn't go to therapy uh, until years after my dad died. I was, I was, um, uh, against it right after he died. I came from that school of thought of, I don't need that. I, I was very, very uh, anti-therapy for a long time. And then, so within that time, whatever, whatever depression was chipping away at me, I'm sure that's why I am the way I am now. Like if I would have gone in right away, maybe I could have, could have done myself the favor and I wouldn't be uh, wherever I am on the spectrum now. But yeah, I think it came after. I think the de- it's always going to take an effect on you when that comes something like that happens. And um, 
So I absolutely, uh, I think my dad dying. Yeah. I think I would chalk that up to, yeah, at least most of what's going on with me. Sure. And do you have, I imagine I would deal with this as I deal with this, even in the situation I've lived. Do you feel like you're extra scared of something going wrong in your life because it happened to your father? Like I know my, I have a friend who his father and his grandfather both died at the exact same age. So he's convinced that's the age he's dying at. Like there's no variables. He's just like, yeah, I, I live, I'll die at that age. Yeah. I, I probably don't have it as strong as your friend does, but I'm worried about 53. Like I, I, when it gets to that point, I, it, it'll hit me harder once I get closer to 53. Sure. Because I, I probably have it in my head because I look exactly like my dad. I have the same build, everything about it. And, uh, but I am, I'm trying to better myself now. Like I, I eat better than I did. I'm not drinking as much. I'm not, you know, I never smoked or anything. He never smoked, but whatever. But uh, yeah, I ab- it absolutely creeps in my head. And then I think I'm hoping that I'll think about it enough. And I, and if I work on myself enough, I'll dismiss it when it comes to that point or even beforehand mm-hmm. where I'll think it's ridiculous. And it's not, it has no, because I even think that's already happened because I've talked about that out loud enough thinking that I'm going to die at 53. I'm going to die at 53. That it makes no sense that hopefully I'm proving it wrong by being like, Oh, I, it's a, it's a joke. You know, it, you know, who knows what'll happen. Yeah. It happens, mean, happens. The good news is no matter what you think, that's not going to have any bearing on it. No bearing. So, yeah, the more, the, yeah, absolutely. No bearing now you, but you can talk about genetics and what they, but like, it's not, you'd be right. There's variables. There's, you know, there's also people living longer now. There's different medicine. Like if, like if my dad, if the same things happened to him, the recovery would might've been better now from 20 years ago. He's been dead 20 years. So even all that put together, but even that, like, like I said, me saying it out loud makes me realize more and more how there's no control over it. It's just random. Right. And you also have another set of genes from your mother's side that he didn't Exactly. Have. Which is why I'm actually convinced that's why I don't have diabetes now. Right. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. What about a smoothie? Do you do smoothies? I got the ninja. I have a nice big, cause I, I have a similar diet as yours. I eat like shit. I think I'm a little better than you, but um, yeah, probably. Yeah. But I got a ninja and I just put a fucking six handfuls of spinach in there every day, almond milk, banana, and it's delicious. And I'm getting a ton of vitamin K like spinach is one of the healthiest foods. It's a great way to get a ton of greens. I'll eat a bunch of baby spinach. I love spinach. We have a ninja here, but I don't usually do smoothies. I've been doing like, Baking and eggs in the morning, alternating days on that. And I'll do fruit. I've been doing oranges. Uh, I'm eating, and then I'll have like, I'll have um, Brussels sprouts at dinner time and stuff like that. So I've been eating way more vegetables and fruits than I was past few years or past oh, 10 years. That's great. So I'm getting, I'm getting better. I'm getting way better. And I feel fantastic. I've also been doing that intermittent fasting thing and, you, oh, and, and you know, and talk about mental stuff. Like it's made me feel great. I've gotten way more energy. I feel more with it than I was way more with it than I was. That's great. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do similar stuff to all that because I had a similarly shitty diet, and I have fear. Yeah. And I'm I'm always afraid I'm going to die of a heart attack and cancer. It's anxiety, and also like an actual bad diet. Because sometimes people are like, "That's anxiety. You're crazy." But you're like, "Well, I do eat Burger King every day. I mean, I did. Right. This is my twenties. I'm like, I mean, twenty. My friend, uh, my friend Derek, made me laugh so hard one time because we were talking about um, Super Size Me, 
And we were yeah. laughing about, and he was like, you know, we're worse than him because <laughs> we do that. And we drink a handle of rum every night. Like that guy's not drinking any booze. And we're watching the movie being like, wow, that's crazy. And you believe this shit? You, <laughs> like, you'd, have, you'd have a much better movie. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we're doing that and drugs and alcohol. And we're also just like fucking random women. We met a half hour ago. Like, like there's so many more risks we're taking. And, and also that guy had a better starting point than you guys. Like he was in shape. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, was like, a healthy yeah. guy. Not just, like you're not in bad shape. You're just like, but he was like a muscle guy before he started doing that shit. Yeah, and we had been doing it since we were three. So, um, but yeah, and yeah, and yeah, you've gotten real trim too. You're much fitter than you used to be, right? Well, you know what happened was that's all part of this. Like, I was at my biggest, and back in November, I was two sixty nine, and I'm only five eight. Like, I was it was bad, man. And uh, and I didn't think it would be like that. And I went to the gym, and I weighed myself because I was like, oh, I'm feeling crappy. Let me go to the gym because I knew something was up. And then I went, and I was like, I'm probably like. I don't know, 245, 250, whatever it is. And then I looked at the scale and it said 269. And I had to have the guy come over and be like, is this for real? Is this working? Is this scale working? And he's like, yeah, what are you talking about? Like, he was like, are you an idiot? Yeah, it's a digital scale. It's, it's fine. And, uh, and I was like, oh my God. So that's why I started going back to the gym and I did a trainer, but then the trainer situation was awful. The guy was, it was like this, the gym trainers and they're like these 20 year old guys that barely do anything. So, uh, and then because of quarantine, it closed down. But and then I was kind of eating crappy in the beginning of quarantine. And then I've gotten better in the past like month, like way better. Wow. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, you got to go back to Diego. You went to Diego and trained some MMA before, right? I did. I did. I, and I loved it. But I was also, I have to wait until I'm in better shape. I'm going to go back when I'm in better shape, I think. Because that's, that's not like you, like you jog a little bit in there and you're getting exertion. But if you're not sparring, I think a lot, because in the beginning, you're not really sparring. But the right. exercises you're doing are more strength training, which I can kind of do on my own. Right. Uh, but I was not in shape enough to like do what he was, you know, what, what, it, what to be, make it be as effective as it should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just went back there for the first time. And, uh, since quarantine began and I was going to Bob and going consistently yeah. and I went back and, uh, how many times a week do you go? He really kicked the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I go one, <laughs> once a week for like four or five months. I was going for quite a while. And then um, I came back after a few months and I was bummed because I was loving it. And I was like, I could be like a white belt by now if it wasn't for this pandemic shit. Maybe, I don't yeah. know. That might be, that might no. be just me being crazy. You but I right. lost like four months and uh, I'm just like, I feel like a cripple now. I mean, the guy's fucking choking me and all this shit. And you have all these things. This is like, we're doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed, mixed martial arts. And like the next day I'm walking, I like look up and I'm like, oh my God. And my hypochondria, which has gotten, I've gotten under control. But I'm like, something's wrong. I got a fucking, I got, what's that thing in there? Thyroid, I got a thyroid condition. <laughs> and then I remember I'm like, oh, it was a black belt choking me to death <laughs> nine hours ago. But I seriously was like, I got my thyroid swelling up. My dad has a thyroid issue. I'm fucked. <laughs> and then you're just like, no, no, no. A guy was uh, squeezing uh, the life out of my neck. Yeah, I was almost murdered <laughs> a day ago. Um, well, I guess we got to start to wrap up here, but uh, okay. man, it's been fun. I mean, I want to, I want to talk more cause I wanted to get into yeah. even more shit. We went off on politics. We probably lost half our audience there for a minute, but, <laughs> but I think that does come into uh, play with all this stuff. Cause it does any mental health problems you're having these times make it worse and worse with social media and all that shit and trying to be on the right side of history and not trying to piss anybody off. 
Hey man, you know, it's, 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 it, I think you can make the case that even though we're more interconnected, you know, uh, social media, especially in the world of comedy, like it brings anxiety. Like I find myself scrolling through that uh, like all day and, and like you're feeling so many emotions at once. Like you're feeling happiness, depression, uh, fear of missing out, anxiety, uh, fear of insecurity because you're not, you're not doing enough. Like it, it, it's all in one shot right in your brain. So it can't be helping your mental state like Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. And then, you're, and then on top of it, it's like every article that you read is like, it's the end of the world. And you know, what's going on with politics? And this is a joke. And that's a joke. And you're wrong. Like, that can't be good for a serene, serene living. Like, the days that I haven't looked at my phone for a couple hours straight, I know I feel better those days. Yeah, no, it's, it's horrendous. I think it's the worst thing that ever happened to all of us mentally. And I had deleted Twitter off my phone, and I've been really good at not looking at it. And it's really... Uh, helping a lot, but Instagram, I still, I, I talk about this every week, but it's not just social media that we're addicted. We're addicted to the actual phone. In addition, uh, yes. text, uh, FaceTime, yeah. photos, everything. And um, yeah, it's, it's hard. I hope that more people will fucking start deleting Twitter because I mean, it's, it's pointed out so often, but like none of it's real if you don't even look at it. Nope. Yeah. We've talked about it before where it's like, uh, you ever do this where it becomes, that becomes your universe where you're looking at it. And then later that day you mentioned, like you see that this thing, like you mentioned some random thing that's trending on Twitter and somebody goes, no, what are you talking like, What are you talking about? Like, yeah. it, it's almost like you made it up. Like, you know, and you're like, Oh my God, you kind of did. It's only, it's only doing any kind of damage or only being talked about within the walls of Twitter. And that's, that proves that it's, it doesn't matter. Like you, like you just said. Yeah. I always remember there was a moment where something with the Shane Gillison was happening. People were like, he's blowing up. It's blowing up. It's trending. It's crazy. And I looked and it was trending and it said 8,800 tweets. Yeah. And right. I was like, that's 8,000 people. Yeah. I've done shows for 17,000 people. Yeah. Like, like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. there's 350 million people and like yeah. 8,800. Yeah. Like that's insane. I mean, that's, that's not like Saturday night live as a show isn't trending. Yeah. You know what I mean, right. it's like, yeah, exactly. How many people are watching that? 50,000. I mean, you know, you get it. So and everything's so spread out and that it only it takes way less for something to become quote unquote trending or in the public eye because it's just everywhere. Everything is trending all the time. It, it, just depending on what you look at, you know, what, what yeah, your, what your daily things you signed into are. And they use the work cause they know, I know him I'm in comedy. So they send it to me. Heads up. Yeah. Shane Gillis is trending and I, I, I fall for, it. I'm like, Oh God. Yep. <laughs> and then it's just, you know, not, and not to take away from what he had to deal with. I'm sure it was unpleasant. Uh, I'm sure it sucked. And I'm sh- and then, you know, I'm sure he was depressed and like had all the feelings that we're talking about. Cause that's what it brings up. It brings on. Yeah. It's uh, and eventually somebody's going to kill themselves. Like somebody's going to get publicly shamed to the point of suicide. And I'll be interested to see how those mobby people respond. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, and it's also the people that are doing this, these trolls that are doing this, the reason why it it proves even more, it's not for real is that if you, if they all had to be held accountable in person, none of them, I would say 0.1% of them would, would say the same things out loud that they're saying on Twitter, like in your face at a bar in front of you, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that just doesn't happen. 
And if they did say it, they'd say it like this. Well, but you, you know, so. Um, it's, like, it's just a bunch of worms. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it starts to get better. I know you got to go to another uh, show here. So yeah, I'll, in a I'll, little let, bit, yeah. I'll let you go. But uh, man, it was so fun. And I, I think I set the show up to have where we can have people back. We'll, we'll talk more and, uh, and, and, and check in. Yeah, please. That'd be great. We'll, we'll go more in depth if you want. I'll talk about whatever. I don't care. And and you're still going to therapy. You're still actively going. I'm still. I go now. I've okay now. So I've been actually doing over um, Facetime with her for a while because the office in the city closed, and I didn't feel like getting a new therapist. I liked her a lot, so I do every other week over uh, over Facetime. And uh, yeah, I, I so there's times where I think I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just end it because I feel like I'm at a point where. And then every time I do it, I feel like I feel like a deep exhale after every time I do. I feel like I got. It works. I feel like I got shit off my chest. So I'll be going to that as long as I can afford it. I'll go to that for the, the you know, for a while. I, I, it makes me feel better. I feel the same way. I go every other week now and it's the same thing. Cause I'm like, ah, I think I'm fine. And just that 12 day mark. I'm like, nah, I could use Alan. Like, I wouldn't mind talking to Alan right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And you do. And you always feel, but I've never left a therapy session. I mean, I've left feeling like, fuck, that's a lot. I got to figure something out, but I've never been like, I wish I didn't go that to that. I, absolutely. I feel the same way. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of it. But, and this is from a guy that for years was like, nah, 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 nah. That's what I used to be like where everything was shut off. The right. idea of not, the, of not going outside, going outside the comfort zone was a big, big deal for me. And I think, and not to, I don't want to keep you too long, but I think that, uh, I think comedy did it too. Comedy. I was way less, I think I'm more confident now because of comedy, but at the same time insecure with certain realms of comedy, like, you know, either it's business or whatever it is, but I think comedy itself, the, once you realize that what you're doing is a lot, a thing that a lot of people wouldn't do in interpersonal relationships, it's made me more, it's made me more confident, not completely confident, but more than I was. But you're not a socially anxious guy. No, no I feel like you're a very like, Hey, what's up guys. I remember yeah. uh, that story. Remember we went to Boston together when I was still drinking <laughs> and, um, I had to pull you aside because we were in Boston, like South Boston, drinking. It was, it was Sarah. It was you, me, and Sarah. We hadn't started dating yet. Wait, I probably don't remember this. And what happened? Really? No. Well, so know. do you remember the trip though, right? I remember the trip. Of course. Of course. So we went and stayed at the hotel. I mean, I got a couple of funny stories about this. First of all, Norman was like, don't try to drink with this guy. He's, he's, he's a booze. <laughs> and it made me mad. This is the kind of alcoholic I was. I mean, I had ego and alcoholism. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I remember getting mad and like Norman being like, what? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That fucking piece of shit. I'll fucking drink. And so like, this is a classic alcoholic mental case. You have no idea that you're in a drink, like a to the death drinking competition with me. I had no clue. And the whole time I'm like, yeah, you fuck. And I kept ordering a shot. So I was like, what do you think? You want to, let's get another double. You fucking pussy. And you're like, okay, yeah. And, uh, and you're drinking Guinness. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, I'm drinking Captain and Cokes. He's drinking fucking Guinness. And I was like, I'm like competing with you. And meanwhile, I'm trying to like court Sarah, who's like two years sober. And she's just sitting there being like, this guy's a fucking animal. But you kept talking to all these guys being like, what's up, guys? What are you, Sox fans or, what, or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember talking to you. And there was a bunch of dudes like looking at us. And I was like, are you crazy? Which is funny because you're from Long Island. But I'm like, this is we're in South Boston. We're going to get killed. You get killed. And yeah. you're like, what are you talking about? Like, what's up, guy? You like, What are you, mad? And I was like, I'm not kidding. Like, these guys are going to kick the shit out of us. If, if, if knowing myself uh, and I, if I was drunk, uh, sufficiently drunk to the point that 
I was, I probably wanted to get into a fight. That's probably what it was. You know, it's so fun. I don't, I wish we could go to the tape because I don't know which one of us was closer to being right. Like you might've been like, no, they like me. Cause I think you were like, no, no, they're my, I'm talking to them. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. no dude, they, they fucking hate you. And I was like, people <laughs> don't do that. And I had like, I was drinking. So I had like an accent. I'm like, people don't do that here. They're going to kill us. But um, real quick. So we had the hotel room with two, two beds and Sarah and I ended up sleeping in the same bed. We didn't like hook up, but we just slept in the same bed. Right. And then I remember you woke up and I was like, dude, are you all right? And you go, what do you mean? And I was like, well, you're fully dressed and the bed is made. You slept through the night, like eight hours with a completely made bed. Like at no point did you get under the blankets or anything. And you were like boots, jeans, hoodie. And, but you were, so, you were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I mean, you just slept for eight hours like that. And you're like, oh, I don't know. You didn't even think it was weird. You're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's, that's me. That's what happens when I drink. I, yeah. But like, usually people will pass out drunk, but at some point they wake up, they take a piss, then they get under the covers. They get to their underwear. Like usually you wake up eventually in sleep mode. Yeah. I must've been so loaded that I just, I was out. I, I had no idea where I was probably. No. Yeah. Point, yeah. We were out of our minds. Cause like I said, like I was in a drinking competition with you and you didn't know. That's so, <laughs> so funny. But yeah, and I, and I, I'm, I'm sure I held my own. I didn't, I didn't falter. Did I do all right? No, no, we drank. I mean, we drank our asses off and made it home and everything. So <laughs> we didn't get beat up, but I was always so paranoid about getting beat up and like, you know, that's not the first time I did another show with Sean Lynch. who's a real character. I don't know if you know Sean Lynch, but, mm -hmm. uh, and there was a crazy show we did with him where he took us to some bar afterwards. And that's actually a place where I, the, when we were hanging out that night, I don't, Sometimes I get drunk enough where I'm like, if I think the guy is trying to start a fight with me, I'll purposely be a white, like be overly friendly to fuck with him to see if he's going to fight me. Cause I beer muscle bullshit, you know, and that's also years ago. But when Sean took us to this place in, um, in somewhere, not Southie, but somewhere in, in, in Massachusetts and it might've been Salem or something, whatever it's called. And, um, and I was like, I walked in and got elbowed three times walking through the bar and I wasn't starting with anybody. We were, I don't think we were even drunk yet. I think we we're just hanging out. And I was, I remember to him being like, dude, we got to get out of here. They do not like us. And he, and he was like, ah, you're good. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. And I'm like, all right. And we hung out and then he tried to get us in the back room and he was like, I know Sully. And the guy's like, yeah, a lot of people know Sully, man, get out of here. And then I think we left like a half hour later. It was bad. But like, that I knew my place. Like at that bar, like if I feel like, oh, I'm going to get jumped on by a bunch of guys, but if it's me and one guy one-on-one -on -one when I'm loaded, I'll probably just purposely be an asshole to the point where he'll get in my face and maybe, but I've only gotten in a handful of fights in my life, you know? Right. That's interesting. I mean, that's another whole oh, psychology of us yeah. drinking and fighting. We could get into that, but I mean, last story, I know you got to go, you got another show no, here, no, but I'm good for a bit. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so eight 30, I got to go. This story, I, um, well, I mean, usually I don't want to go that long anyways, but yeah, right, right. So, um, I think, God, I forget who the comic was. I feel like it was a New York comic. I can't remember who it was, but we were in, this always sums up Boston to me. We were in Everett, which is a city I lived in for a while. It's like a tough town suburb of Boston, but it's own city. And, uh, it's basically Boston, but we were me and my friend, Tom Dustin. And, uh, who do you Tom. know? Yeah, yeah. He's a character. And, character. uh, and um, we lived together. We were, we were the closest, one of my closest friends of all time. So we were hanging out and we used to play golden tea all the time, like golden tea golf, you know, the video game. Yeah. 
and there was these two guys playing it. And one of them went out to smoke a cigarette. We walked up to them and we're like, Hey, could we, you guys want to play? You want to, you guys want to go? However we said it. And the guy looked at us and was like, yeah, all right, I'll be right back. And he went outside and there was three of us. It was me, my friend, Tom, and they went outside and we saw him chatting and they came back and they're like, all right, let's go. Let's fucking go. And we were like, what? And they were like, you want to fucking go? What do you want to go outside? Where do you want to go? And we were like, no, golden tea, golden tea. <laughs> and they were like, oh, 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 shit. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. And they thought we meant fine. So this one guy, like three dudes walked up to him and were like, hey, you want to play? And he thought we were like, do you want to fight? And he was like, sure. Like he said it like yeah. that, got his buddy. They chatted and came back like, just like, okay. And it was Let's like, fucking, it. it was like Goodwill hunting. And we were like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No. And I was like, those guys are fucking tough. Yes. They were yeah, ready to tough. fucking fist fight just for fun. Like, yeah. like matter of factly. But I always that's, hate that shit. That, that was a big part of my insecurity. I always, I, I grew up since I was a teenager, that feeling of like, you could get your ass kicked at any moment. And I always hated it. I think I always had the thought process that uh, I would do better than I would in a fight. Like I, I was in a couple of few drunk fights. I have stories about them. I'm not going to get into it, obviously, but I think I always thought if I ever got into a real, 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 I, I, I would get my ass kicked more than I thought. Of. I think I, when I, especially drinking, the beer muscles thing is, is a, is a problem, you know? Well now knowing what I know, I mean, taking studying mixed martial arts for a little while now with some time in mean, a relative little while, obviously like, yeah. I'm not, I have no whatever, but like a guy like Diego who has, he has cauliflower ear and tattoos. But aside from that, he looks like he's like into fashion. He's like a handsome dude. He's shorter yeah. than I am. We probably yeah. weigh about the same. Oh, I mean, he's that's so the guy. powerful. He's powerful. <laughs> that's a guy that easily a guy like me or you drinking could be like, yeah, shut up, you fucking bitch. And you're <laughs> dealing with a, a, a weapon. I mean, he's a black belt. Yeah. Yeah. An he undefeated could, he cage could, he, fighter. He could kill a guy. He knows exactly how to kill a guy. Yeah. And so that's the shit where like how many times where I was drunk on the other end, not afraid. And I was like, yeah, fuck you. You fuck. You fucking yeah. lose. And you're like, guys like that are like, okay, <laughs> sure. And you're like, you know, you just got to be careful, I guess is all. Absolutely. Especially MMA is like changed bar fighting forever because of that. Like I think, I think guys, even at their drunkest are like, let me think twice about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because you just you just don't know who's who's who, which is you a metaphor. Your metaphor for life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But um, all right, I got to. I got uh, Sam texting me. Can you talk? That's never good. Oh jeez. Uh, but um, and I know you got to go to the seller show. And, and thanks for uh, accommodating my uh, weird sound. Of course, man. I love you. I love you, buddy. It was great. It was a great talk and a good episode. So. Oh, good. Okay, glad. I'm glad that it, it, it did the job. I think it was a great one. We'll see what the people, I mean, I don't look at Twitter anymore, but we'll see when, when they, they find say. you, when they find you on Instagram, that's really bad. Cause Instagram is such a nice place. <laughs> when you get people on Instagram being like, you blow, that's a really bad performance. Yeah. yeah like Donnelly, shut the fuck up about whatever. And then, you know, yeah. Donnelly's an idiot about this or something that happens all the time. Um, but no, it was great, man. I appreciate it. Let's do it again soon. Please. I would love to. Thank you, man. Um, all right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. All right. I'll talk to you in a bit. Later. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.